to Hot Flashes and Cold Topics, the voice for midlife women and beyond. At Hot Flashes and Cold Topics, we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. My name is Bridget. And I'm Colleen. And today we are bringing back one of our favorite guests. It is Amanda Thebe, and she is on the Revel platform with us today. So today's talk is a question and answer session with Amanda, which you could also find if you join hellorevel.com. We've had so many topics. And this one is our talk with Amanda Thebe. Amanda is a personal trainer. She has over 20 years of experience in the fitness industry. And her health and fitness tips have been featured in media outlets like Shape, uh, Prevention Magazine, Healthline, and Global News. And when she hit the age, you know, of menopause, she realized things that she was doing in the past just were not working the way they should. And she wrote a book called Menopocalypse, and it is hilarious, but also very informative. And it's Menopocalypse, How I Learned to Thrive During Menopause and How You Can Too. So you can catch this talk or talks like that. Uh, I also will have the YouTube up as well on our YouTube channel. And also she has a fantastic Facebook group and it is menopausing so hard. And I mean, it is hilarious and she just says it like it is. And it's so refreshing to hear someone that really has gone through this and knows what to do, and she's tried it herself, and she wants to help you. Today's episode, you will hear answers to questions people typed in on the chat, and we will, we answered those questions that they had for Amanda, because she has done lots of research. She has consulted physicians and experts in the field to help her with uh, answering these questions. We hope that you will enjoy this episode. I know we always enjoy talking to Amanda Thebe. Also, make sure you have entered our week four giveaway, guys. It is March Menopause Madness, and we have better solutions this week. So you can enter to possibly win here, there, and anywhere wipes, which are great for, you know, keeping your car when you have a hot flash or it's just sweaty out. Summer's coming, guys. And these wipes are invaluable in the summertime. Also gone in a flash, which is a hot flash spray. So if you're having a hot flash or you come in from the heat wave and you just want to spritz yourself a little bit, that works really well. And the third product in this group for week four is GoGo R, GoGo liners, which are self-explanatory. They're GoGo liners, guys. We'll let you take that and just create the mental image. So go on hotflasheskooltopics.com, enter there. We will let you know on Sunday who the winner will be. And then next week, get ready. It is the final week of March Menopause Madness. And we're going big or going home, guys. We are partnering with Woman S and my sisters to give away all of the products of Women S, a huge package of gifts. You do not want to miss out on entering for that one because Really, if we could, Bridge and I would already be entered, but we're not allowed to. So check out our website next week for the final matchup of a complete set of Womanist products. I don't even know how much it's worth, but it's worth a lot. And you're going to want to enter. If I could just get all that neck cream and all that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And then the, the new uh, Plump It Up thing. Fabulous. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So. I wish I could win, but lucky. No, we buy them. We're going to let Amanda answer some of your questions. Enjoy this forum. We're sorry that you missed it, but check us out on Revel because we're going to be doing a monthly. Here you go. We are going to start this as a conversation. And as there are questions that you have, which I'm sure you will have, just make sure to send them to chat. We will ask those questions. We can't guarantee that we'll go in order. Sometimes we jump around, but we will try to get to every question. And if towards the end, your question wasn't answered, just feel free to, to put it up there again. So getting started, my name is Colleen Rosenblum. And along with Bridget next to me, Garrett, we are co-hosts of the podcast, Hot Flashes and Cool Topics, where we talk about anything and everything to do with midlife. And one of our favorite guests on the show is with us today. So Amanda, Amanda Thebe, thank you for joining us. She's amazing, guys. She has a book out now called Menopocalypse. You have to check it out. It's right there. Bridget has it. And she talks about real life menopause, like how you can thrive, how to thrive, which is how to thrive in menopause, the name of her book. But you have 30 years experience behind you. And most importantly, you've gone through the journey. So you get it. 
you know. So thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on and talking to us. I'm really excited to be here. Good to see you both again, ladies. And thank you everyone else for joining the talk today. I hope I can give you some like juicy nuggets to take away. <laughs> every, every time I do something, I always go into it thinking it has to be solution-based. People don't just want to hear me prattling on talking about stuff they want to know, but how, right? And I think that that's why maybe our conversation was one of the one of the most listened to because we were really practical. We were like, this is the problem. This is a solution. Go. That's, Go that's and do it. Exactly. And for those of you who came in a little late, we were saying that Amanda's episode was one of the most popular of our first two seasons. So she's, and that makes her even more of our favorite person. So, <laughs> so we're going to start talking. And if you have questions, guys, just put them in the chat. We'll be sure to ask them. So Amanda... People want to know how to thrive in menopause. And there's so many different areas of that. What was the topic of that session? Oh, it's called how to thrive in men- um, in menopause. If you look at um, our podcast episodes, you'll just look under how to thrive in menopause and that will you will find it. One of the first things we talked about was diet. And, you know, the word diet, people immediately turn off, especially in January, because that's all you see on commercials. That's all you see on TV. But you talk more about it being a behavioral change. Can you chat a little bit about that? Yep. So um, so I, my background, for those who don't know me and follow me, are I'm a personal trainer and a nutrition coach. And so I've been doing this for about 30 years, the nutrition thing only for about 10 years. Um, but I've got a, enough information that I can have a really good conversation with you um, you know, about the topic. Um, I'm very outspoken when it comes to um, diet in midlife and menopause because ladies, they see you, they see your vulnerabilities, they see your cash, and they're like, ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. How can we prey on um, midlife women and make them feel even worse about themselves than they may already do? And how can we like target that and make some more money off you? And so what I see in my world is just goes against all the science I'd ever, I've ever learned. And I'll see people talking about diet and menopause and the things you have to do. And I was scratching my head for a while going, that doesn't seem right. That's not what I know, you know, to be the truth, all the science behind it. Anyway, and so I started to like dig deeper. And in my book, there's a whole chapter on nutrition. And my background comes from behavioral change, the science of behavioral change. Um, and what typically um, that means is that instead of going like like a binary way of looking at diet, like I've got fat, I'm going to starve myself mode. It's like, you know, I may have gained some weight. So what's the most sensible approach I can take that makes me go to the place where I want to be, whether that's weight loss, whether that's strength, whether that's improved health, doesn't weight loss isn't always good health by the way right and so how can I get there in the best way and the best way to do this is like these small baby steps that look at the science and go you know what midlife women they don't um probably eat enough protein our protein um this is just one example our protein requirements increase as we age and through menopause so instead of saying, I'm going to lose weight, why don't you say, I'm going to make sure I eat 100 grams of protein a day. And that's a tangible change that people can do. And it's actionable. And you can start by doing one meal a day for a few weeks. And when that becomes easy, maybe two meals a day, you start adding more protein. And so what behavioral change means is that you build up this automatic, um, oh, sorry, automatic way of doing things like brushing your teeth so you don't have to overthink and deprave and restrict and all of those things that literally backfire because our biology makes us backfire. When you restrict, you go into stress and you reach out and you start craving all the things you've restricted. And so just this bit, a bit more of a pragmatic approach is what we're looking for. And it seems sustainable when you do that because if you're trying to I've always found if I tried to do a restriction, I can't keep up with that. I cannot sustain it. So I like how you're saying the, it it becomes a habit. Like it just becomes a habit if you put these, build these things in. And they know, and it's, and it's, it's not easy though, Bridget. And that's the thing. Habits sound like, oh yeah, I can do these things on repeat, on repeat. But most of the time people do them for a week or two and then they let them go and think, oh, well, that didn't work. What she was talking about was rubbish. And I'm like, "Ah, I'm not, I think there's some microphones need to be. (laughs) 
Can you make sure to mute if you haven't already, please? Yeah, and so like so, so, so doing these small things, you have to not just do them for a couple of weeks. You have to think she wants me to do this forever, right? right. Like these these are lifestyle impacts that we know that are proven by science to actually have meaningful impact on your health. So let me ask you about. Right. I, I'm going to stand up and say, hi, I'm Colleen. I'm a sugar addict because that's just the way I am. And we know that sugar is not a friend to menopause. So what would you say about those of us who could eat Oreos for breakfast and be very happy? <laughs> so it's really important to delineate what sugar is because um, I get like I get that. See, I see people all the time going, I'm giving up sugar for 30 days. I'm giving up sugar, sugar forever. I don't eat sugar. And then they'll eat their oatmeal with honey on or they'll eat pan pancakes with maple syrup on. Maple syrup and honey are sugar. The body doesn't know the difference. When that body breaks that down into its finite source, it goes into the body as a, a, a glucose and It doesn't care whether it's come from white sugar, brown sugar, coconut sugar, honey, or whatever. And so, first of all, I would say to people, well, it's a lot I would say. First of all, one, sugar isn't addictive. There's models out there that have been um, modeled over and over and over again. Sugar isn't an addictive su substance. You don't go into the pantry and get a spoonful of sugar and start like shoveling it in your face. It's just not what's happening. But what we do know that is hyper palatable, overly processed foods is it feeds the dopamine sensors in our brain. So things like the, the Oreos and the chips and stuff, they're not just sugar. Those things have also got, and um, they're essentially carbohydrates, which is what a sugar is. They're also fats. They're also salt. So it's like this really clever way that the manufacturers have made food that it feeds our joy. And we're like, oh, I'm going to keep doing this and keep eating these. But they don't have a huge amount of nutritional benefit and they also tend not to fill us up. And so when you eat them, you don't feel satisfied. Um, and so how I would look at this is completely different. I would say you need to fill up on foods that make you feel satisfied. That's your proteins. That's your fibers. They're the things that are not going to let your blood sugar spike up and down. They're going to stabilize it so that you don't go, where are the Oreos? I like, <laughs> like you know, like at three o'clock in the afternoon when you're like crawling to the pantry, you, you don't want those like highs and lows. So filling up on your loads of plants, lean proteins, get those in your system and then allow yourself an Oreo. Just say, you know what? I'm going to really, I'm going to take two Oreos out with my cup of tea and I'm going to really enjoy them and they're not going to be detrimental to my health and I'm not addicted to them. I just really like the taste of them because yes, that's how they've been made. But hopefully if you sort of like set yourself up for success beforehand by not being overly hungry and nourishing your body with the foods that actually do make an impact on us in a positive way, then you can allow these um, fun treats, I call them, or fun carbohydrates. And so rather than looking at sugar as being the enemy, just think, you know, there are foods that are more nutritionally sound than others. And these others, like the alcohol and the fun carbs, the chips and the cookies, they can have a place in your diet, but you shouldn't make that the majority of the food that you're eating. In fact, it should just be a small portion of it. But depriving yourself completely of it will make you probably eat the whole packet instead of just the one or two that you've planned for. Plan those treats, really helpful. Okay, that's cool. what about caffeine? I have somebody here asking for advice from a caffeine addict. Uh, well, <laughs> there, is, there is an addictive element to caffeine as we know, right? So, I mean, but I mean, How much is too much, right? I know that with the way we process caffeine as we get older in general, not just through menopause, completely changes. And, you know, um, I used to be like an eight cup of coffee a day person and I'm down to like, Jessica, like two a day now, you know, and if anything after 12 o'clock just seems to have me wired. And so ooh, definitely trying to find substitutes that you can take if you really like the taste. Like most people love the taste of coffee, It's got a great taste, right? You want to wake up to it. Try and have most of that in the morning, right? Try and have your coffee and stuff in the morning. Um, it's just so there's no detrimental effects towards your sleep, insomnia and stuff, as, or even anxiety, like because it can sort of give you the jitters later on in the day. Um, there's decaf options available there. Um, I don't know why you would sort of stop drinking coffee completely. And I don't truly know what a caffeine addict is, you know, like what, what, like how to quantify that. 
But there is sort of like some um, little tricks you can do just to not drink as much. And that's to, instead of having coffee, 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 have coffee water, coffee water, like spit the coffee up, you know, so you're not drinking like the whole pot, make a half a pot, drink decaf. So, I mean, but usually it's caffeine actually has a really good ergonomic effect for women and men when they exercise. So like the benefits of caffeine are actually you know, out there. It's just when there's too much, too much. And so like me, I'm going to exercise. I will drink a cup of coffee beforehand because it really helps with the blood flow and the nutrients going around the body and helps with performance too. So don't give it up completely if you don't want to, but just try and manage it through like small strategies. What about, um, someone had asked about physical changes like loss of hair and collagen. Um, I would say number one, Better Not Younger has a great hair care line for if you're losing hair or you're losing body to your hair, I'll say that again, better, not younger. Um, they have a great, uh, they have great hairline. But what would you say about collagen products? So estrogen in our body is intrinsically linked with collagen production. We know that, right? So we know that through perimenopause, a lot of women struggle with collagen um, falling, like because of the way that it's linked with our um, falling estrogen, which of course fluctuates on the way down. It just doesn't just do this nice, easy journey. It's this crazy, like what's coming next journey. And we have collagen all over the body in our skin and it impacts our hair, our joints, um, and so like a lot of women will start getting like sore joints and achy joints, tendonitis and stuff. So collagen like doesn't just impact like the wrinkles on our face as well, right? Like, and if we want to talk about the genital urinary symptoms of menopause or vaginal atrophy for like the layman's terms, a lot of women struggle with vaginal atrophy because of the um, lack of integrity that happens in the pelvic region due to collagen sort of falling as well. So a couple of things, um, if you are on menopause hormone therapy, women tend to find that things like that just ease off completely, right? So the joint ache, the skin improvement or the hair improvement. So like if that's an option for you, then maybe you'll see improvements there. For the vaginal atrophy side, um, localized estrogen, even for those that don't tolerate hormone therapy well or choose not to use it, um, if you're having continuous UTIs, vaginal dryness, painful sex, a localized estrogen, which literally just stays in that, I'm pointing down, (laughs) just just stays in that area and doesn't get systemic in the body, has not been linked to any sort of like other like poor side effects. And that can usually help with the collagen and, and just the general integrity in the pelvic area. Now, when it comes to supplements, I would say save you money. And I would say save you money for this because the, the data out there and the studies out there is very weak and it's weak at best, right? But again, like there's supplement companies out there want to sell us products, right? Um, we know that the supplement industry is not regulated at all. They can say whatever they want and they can promote whatever they want. It doesn't matter. But collagen, when it is in the body, is broken down into a couple of different types. Type 1 collagen tends to help with our joints. And so when people supplement with type 1 collagen, they tend to see an improvement if they've had an injury, right? And then we know that there's some data to back that up. But you can't take a collagen um, tablet and then go, please go to my hair, please go to my hair, or please make my wrinkles lumpy. That's just not how it works. And when Jennifer Aniston started promoting it, I was like, you've just sold out, dude, because you're telling us it's going to make you look us look like you, and it's just rubbish. It's false. But if you want to improve the amount of collagen in your diet, then we know that that's from your lean protein sources. So collagen is literally ground up animal bones and fish bones, right? So just eat more animal products if you want to have um, more collagen in your diet. But it doesn't mean to say that it's going to improve your hair or it's going to improve your skin or all of the other things, right? So I would say save your money. Um, And when it comes to things like hair loss, then I would seek out like hair products or go to a professional dermatologist or something. I don't know actually the answer to the hair loss question, but it's it's not collagen. Are you talking like bone broth when you're saying ground bone? 
Well, bone broth is another sort of misnomer, and I literally don't want to spend my whole time on here going, that's rubbish, that's crap. <laughs> like, you know, when we were kids, my mum would make Sunday dinner, then stick the carcass in a pan with a few carrots and potatoes, boil it up, and it would be just stock. She'd say, there's the stock for the week to make the soup and the chilli and all of those things. There's no huge benefit to drinking um, bone broth for the collagen in it, because like we say, the evidence is really weak. Like if people want the studies afterwards, I can send you the studies that show that the evidence really isn't meaty enough to say, yes, if you drink bone broth or if you take collagen supplements or powder in your coffee, you will see improvements in your skin and your hair. Yet, hopefully, maybe it'll change. And right now I'm happy to change my mind, but like, and so when people buy, sell bone broth for $15 a carton and you can buy regular broth, I'm thinking, well, if you're just making it for your soup, just buy the $2.99 stuff because literally the other stuff's not going to do what it says on the can, <laughs> essentially. Would you say something like salmon? Like if you use canned salmon and they have those soft little bones and the salmon, like if you, I don't know, salmon, my mother always made salmon croquettes. Would that be a, an example of a bone that, yeah. uh, All that would have collagen in Okay. Yeah. And not only that, like the the benefits of actually eating the food over the supplements as well. So you eat salmon with all of the soft bones in as well. You've got those high omega threes in them. You've got all of the other nutrients that like oily fish gives us, which improves the blood brain, that it crosses the blood brain barrier. It helps with our brain function and stuff. And I just think that um, rather than like spending four or $500 on um, supplements every month, which is what a lot of women end up doing because they get advice from maybe alternative therapists. Rather bring it back and just say, rather than spending money on that, what can I do in my diet to improve it right now? Because supplements shouldn't um, replace your diet unless you have a real deficiency and you've been tested for something and your doctors or your registered dietitian has told you that, yeah, you need to be taking iron or you need B vitamins and stuff, right? Then then there's a genuine need for it then. So we're getting some questions about estrogen, okay. which we knew were going to come. So one of them is about dosing of estrogen. I think when we were talking about the vaginal atrophy and using an estrogen cream, but also what estrogen creams would you recommend? And we know that this is a subject that a lot of people have a lot of opinions on. So we're asking you in your expert opinion. So you're talking about um, estrogen localized cream for vaginal atrophy. Is that specifically what you're saying? One question was that. And then another question was just generally what estrogen creams would you Okay. Like? All right. So, I mean, this is all in my book as well. And when I, I need to say, not a doctor, and I don't even play one on TV. When I wrote the book, I went by the absolute medical guidelines issued by the North American Medical Society, the Association of Gynecologists and Obstetricians, the Canadian Menopause Society, the British Menopause Society. I just used their data. I also spoke with two medical experts when I wrote this chapter. So I feel like this data that I'm going to give you now is absolutely the most current data that we know. So as far as vaginal atrophy and estrogen cream, it has to be regulated. So stay away from private clinics that mix um, compounded treatments up for you. And the reason is, is that we don't know the efficacy or safety or how it will even work in the body. When you go to your menopause specialist or your GP primary caregiver and you want help with vaginal atrophy there's a standardized dose that costs about six dollars on the insurance and i think the medical name is e-trace estrace e-s-t air oh, i can't spell it e-e-stress or something sorry i can't remember it because i'm in and it's called something different there's about four different ones you can get what you should to do is go to fda regulated hormones and it will list them all there for you and if it's there, you know that it's gone through at least 10 years worth of testing. They've tested it for everything and you know that that it's going to be safe on you. And when it comes to systemic estrogen, and this is what is known as menopause hormone therapy. So this is the stuff that isn't just one area, right? This is for you to treat with the, it's it's usually prescribed for mainly for hot flashes um, and some brain fogs, depression. And somebody mentioned brain fogs and stuff there. Um, 
again, look for the regulated, look for the regulated hormones. And the reason is, again, is that we know exactly how it works in the body. You don't, you don't need to go to a private clinic and get them to mix you up a, a personalized dose for yourself because it's not necessary. We have um, drugs that are available on the market for a fraction of the cost. And like the cost is significant. So, um, unregulated hormones from a, a private clinic might cost three, four hundred a month. And the ones on prescription, probably depending on your insurance, maybe between 10 and 30, something like that, right? So, and but it's not even just the cost, it's just the fact that they we know their work. And there's so many different options out there that you can um, you know, keep going through them until you find the one that works for you. But the um the guidelines from the menopause society say transdermal is the safest as we know it. And transdermal literally means it goes through your skin, and you can have that as a patch or a gel, or um, there's a spray, but I don't think that's available in the USA. But the transdermal is known to be the safest, but even the oral hormone therapy has only a slightly marginalized risk profile. It's really, it's scientifically insignificant, the, the risk increase. But somebody had a, a question about magnesium. Um, do you think magnesium is worth taking? I do. I actually do. Right. It's, I don't, I don't talk about supplements too much. Um, but I do think there are a couple of like, um, like basics that solid ones that you can't go wrong with. So vitamin D, I mean, most of us could do with a vitamin D. I don't believe there's a true vitamin D deficiency, but I think most of us are on the low side and especially in the winters and especially in Nashville where it's snowing. Um, and so a vitamin D, and if you wanted to take it with a vitamin K, that just makes um, the absorption um, better. So you've got vitamin um, D. And if you wanted to take a calcium as well, then you've got your bones fixed there. Like you've got like the, the bone um, supplements. Magnesium is one of those um supplements that just does so much it's so great so it um acts as like a common influence like it's a a mineral not a like a vitamin so it's a mineral and it really does help calm things down so if somebody's like struggling to go to sleep at night or they're struggling with anxiety um and even like muscle joints and um you know pain that we were talking about earlier the magnesium can be really helpful magnesium though if you take um there's different types out there and they absorb they're all basically the same thing but they're diff different molecule sizes and they absorb into the um, body differently and um sometimes it can give you the trots you know you run into the <laughs> toilet all the time so you've and it can upset women's tummies as well so i would just say the the most gentlest one out there is magnesium glycinate if you take 400 um, mg's of that, that's like a standardized dose. And then in addition to that, the only other sort of one I would really say was worthwhile considering is um, possibly a melatonin. If, if it does, it, some women find it helps with their, um, you know, improve their sleep. And then omega-3. Omega-3 can, you can get from um, your, you know, your oily fishes, but it's not everybody's cup of tea, is it, right? So, I mean, that's an easy supplement and it does so many good things to the body. So... They're like my standards. I, they're the ones I take. Um, and they're all available from like the Amazon or from, you know, CVS. You don't have to spend a fortune on them. I don't think so. I'm just spelling glycinate. So that <laughs> and, and then somebody's saying, what about a daily vitamin? Um, and, you know, like if you want, then I wouldn't spend a fortune on that. Anyway, like a, the UK, they call them A to Zs and over there, you just call them multivitamins. If you wanted to include that too, the problem is, is you don't always know the quality of the supplements that you're taking because they aren't regulated. There's a couple of different um, places you can look like there's one called labdoor.com and that reviews some of the brands and it tells you, you know, they've checked the quality of them. But um, and some of them are just full of filler and you, you really don't know. It's a bit of a like a whack-a-mole. Which one am I going to take? You, you don't always know. Um, so I actually take like a like the Centrum multivitamin mm -hmm. and I only probably take it three times a month because I forget. I'm one of the ones that like has a few lined up and then I just go, I'll take it tomorrow. <laughs> Was that really, labdoor.com? Yeah, labdoor.com. Yeah. OK, I just want to get that. Um, well, since you're on that, since you kind of brought up the brain fog, moment and the, someone did ask a question about brain fog and mood swings do you have suggestions and, yeah and irritability and stuff well so there's a couple of things like 
first of all, they're not. It's normal, right? In perimenopause, we, we've all done it. We've all lost our shit. We've all, like, got grumpy and gone into the kitchen for the remote control because you know it's in the fridge. Like, so I'm trying to, like, not say that it, it's okay for it to be normal, but, like, we're all going through it, right? I also want to say that I know that in postmenopause, stuff starts to sort of come back and calm down and that like craziness of perimenopause when you literally think you're losing your mind and um, definitely eases off. And if you're interested in this, another one for you here, Colleen. Colleen's like my little secretary. <laughs> um, Dr. Lisa Moscone. And if you, have you had oh, her on yes. your, had yeah, on podcast? Yes, we're working on mm-hmm. that. Shush, oh. shush, we're working on that. <laughs> well, she's great. And she is a neuroscientist that's looking at the impact of perimenopause and menopause on the brain in linked with Alzheimer's. And her, she's got some great stuff on her Instagram. I'm part of one of her studies that she's doing. It's so great. And if you're in New York and you want to join her study, then they do brain scans and they measure your brain. It's so cool. Anyway, so... What she's found in her studies is that our brains adapt and they're malleable. And so in perimenopause, um, when so much other stuff's going on, our brain shrinks slightly because it's like, yeah, I can't cope. Yeah, I could come back for me in eight years. And then in postmenopause, the brain regrows and regroups itself. It almost is like a restoration that happens. And personally, I felt that too I went from you know the the crazy like what day I don't want to get out of bed I hate my family you know all of those things to being in this like oh Jesus this is how it feels to feel like calm again so that's great news knowing that potentially these symptoms you're experiencing are temporary that's that's something you can work towards so give yourself some grace that's my first thing. Second thing is um, we know that estrogen crosses the blood-brain barrier. It's sort of one of the reasons why there's so many neurological symptoms of menopause, like the brain frog, the um, forgetting words and just generally feeling, you know, meh, depression, anxiety. They're all, and even hot flashes are all from the brain center. And so um, because we know estrogen crosses the blood-brain barrier, if you're, they're particularly bad for you, if they're really struggling, um, those symptoms are making your quality of life terrible, well, then menopause hormone therapy may be for you because it's one of the proven treatments to really help with those, those symptoms. Things you can do outside of that, exercise. Exercise on a neurological level can help with depression, anxiety, brain fog, all of those things. Like get the blood pumping, get the nutrients pumping. Like I can't emphasize that enough. In fact, exercise has been studied way more than hormone therapy for impacts on neurological health, as has food. Um, and the diet that's been um, studied most to do with um, like the brain fog and things like that is the Mediterranean diet or a variation of that. And so essentially that um, lean proteins, good fats, you know, your olive oils, your avocados, lots of vegetables and so, um, and a glass of wine if you can tolerate it. Um, and so there's things you can do from a lifestyle perspective in addition to the mo- moving every day and that can just be walking. I'm not asking you to pump iron straight away, but, you know, you can move and eat well and then stress management. Stress management is... Um, so important because it helps with our sleep quality and all of these things matter together. And so um, then the only other thing that I might add towards the irritability thing is that there's some evidence that one of the amino acids that exists in protein. So imagine you're eating your fish or your piece of pork or whatever, like a piece of chicken. Um, protein is made up of multiple amino acids. And one of the amino acids is called leucine. Um, And that actually does cross the blood-brain barrier. And there's some thought process behind the idea that that can help with the brain fog. And so um, improving the amount, um, increasing the amount of protein you have in your diet can help with that. Um, That particular type of protein is found in whey powder. So if you have a protein shake and you use whey powder, and if you don't want any of them, you can buy essential amino acids they're like a powdered thing. The problem is it ends up being expensive and I'm all about like, you know, I don't want you to keep buying things, but just like, if you know that you improved um, protein can help with things like that, then, then just try that at least, you know, first of all. It sounds so connected because the mood 
and the energy and the sleep and the exercise. Do you have any suggestions for sleep? Because a lot of people have trouble sleeping. Yeah, I do. I do. And I'm just laughing because Melina is said, but how long is temporary? Right. <laughs> I don't know. Get a fuck it. No, but I mean, I don't know. Like, as long as a piece of string. It's so weird how our like journeys are all so unique, right? But we know that perimenopause can last between eight and 10 years. And we know that symptoms can come and go and some can stay with us the whole time. And then even when you're through menopause and you're post-menopause, some symptoms might take a few years to just calm down. So it might be one or two years. It might be 10 years. I actually, it's really hard to know. But what I would say is that nobody should suffer. And if it's an impact on your quality of life, please go and see a doctor. Definitely. Okay. So what was the question? <laughs> see menopause? Sleep. Sleep? There you go. Sleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what can we do to help with sleep? Because so many, we recently did an episode with a sleep expert from Yale. She's an associate, she's assistant professor, associate professor at Yale. And uh, she's a specialist. I want to make sleep. sure I, yeah, yeah I want to yeah. say that correctly. And she mm-hmm. had some great ideas for sleep and what to do. But a lot of a lot of that is like physical things you can do, but what about the hormone crazy in your brain that you just can't sleep and you're getting night sweats and that kind of fun stuff? Well, I don't know if I'm going to just rinse and repeat what she um, has said, because when I was um, studying this for my book, I reached out to a ton of sleep experts as well. But if we just bring it back to the basics, which is what I always do is like, you're not sleeping. So what do we need to look at? Right. And sleep hygiene is the first place to go to. Right. So going back to the caffeine, caffeine is a stimulant. So is alcohol. If you can reduce those, um, do it right. If it's impacting your sleep, because how many times have we had a glass of wine or two and fallen asleep, but being awake at like four in the morning because um, alcohol, as it gets, it gets, prioritize as it gets processed through the body because it's a toxin and the body wants to get it out and and the process often happens overnight and we were wide awake going why did I do two glasses of wine and stuff and no and so if you want to have a drink either reduce the amount or maybe have it earlier in the day yeah have a 12 o'clock glass of wine instead of (laughs) (laughs) no but so like think about the things that are potential stimulants right so um and then in addition to that like the the hygiene that we do like the like and basically this is just like the steps that we do to go to sleep mine are so crazy now I've become like this almost like militant with them so I turn the tv off at least an hour before I go to bed I don't have my phone on in the evening right they're stimulants they they can literally change the circadian rhythm in your brain we know that for a fact and so that's why people are all wearing these blue shades now aren't they so like try and reduce the amount of screen time late at night Think of things that are calming, that promote calming. So like a nice cup of herbal tea instead of a glass of wine. I mean, I was drinking my sleepy time tea on the sofa with my husband last night. And I was going, this is so good. And he went, who are you trying to convince you on me? And I'm like, you're definitely me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, so things that are just like, even if it's ritual based, I mean, it doesn't have to have like a physiological effect. It can be an emotional effect, like having the herbal teas having a hot bath, we know stimulates you. Um, and like, sorry, can help calm you down and stops that stimulation happening. The room temperature matters as well. Having a cooler room is more conducive to sleep rather than a hot room, right? So um, I have a whole list of things um, in the book that you can try. And then we know magnesium um, is something that may help people and also melatonin as well. So give give those a shot. But the thing is, what we do know is that any changes that you want to make to your sleep pattern can take months to sort of stick. And so I know, like we said before, women will say, well, I, I tried driving herbal tea for four weeks and I felt no different. Well, I mean, you have to keep doing it, like keep doing it and keep doing it. It's almost like retraining the whole body system. Um, and so don't expect quick changes with things like that, unfortunately. Um, I know now I've got to the point where if I just do one thing off, my sleep's really impacted. Menopause, it's havoc with our sleep. It does to almost every woman, and it's a nightmare. Hormone therapy will probably help with that for most women. Postmenopause, a lot of women find that sleep patterns are less erratic, right? So there's all like there's there's like a time continuum as well. We have to just like keep gauging it and see how it works. But just basically like saying, am I doing that? Am I like doing calming activities before bed? Am I like you could maybe try doing like a restorative yoga class? Do some breathing techniques. For those that wake up with those night sweats and anxiety, 
Um, a thing that I, I listened to a, a, a presentation recently with another sleep expert, and he has said that studies have shown that if you wake up in the night and your mind's all squirrely, like what's that Eminem song, you know, that I can't remember the words of, that you really don't need to know, have a book and just write things down. And, and the act putting this down onto paper can just eliminate that anxiety and a perpetual like spinning cycle. So try that as well. Different things work different people. Thank you, Jessica, for the Bengal spice herbal tea. Yes, try. We'll yeah. have to give that a shot. Now, Jessica had asked in the very beginning, and I, and I didn't want to skip over it. She is now completely through menopause. Congratulations. I'm Yay. jealous. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I'm 54, still going through it forever. But she wants to do something special because she's the first of her friends that kind of have completed the menopause journey and wants to put it in a positive light. So do you have any ideas or suggestions that she can maybe, she doesn't want to throw a menopause party or a goodbye period party, but anything to kind of create a positive spin so that her friends don't live in fear because there is such a negative stigma around menopause. It's a great question. And I'm really glad Jessica brought it up because like, I don't know about you, but in my social media world, like I follow tons of people all around the world and medical doctors and I see based type um, messaging out there it's like you don't take hormone therapy therefore you will die young and if you don't take it you're not protecting your body and it's like this like oh my god like what am I going to do and it's just the and then the idea that we're going to be these old wrinkly decrepit fragile women moving forward post-menopause is just so damaging the narrative I went through menopause at 48 and I'm 51 now and apart from I've hurt my leg I feel like stronger than ever and I feel more in control of my life than ever and I think it's all to do with our attitude moving through menopause so the negative stuff, just block out, get rid of it, delete it. Don't follow people that make you feel like you're, that something's going to go wrong in postmenopause. We've lived in menopause for decades and decades and decades. We can do it. Women can do like hard things. We can do perimenopause. And then the opportunities and the light that shines after, to me, is like an, a valuable um, gift that we're given. And so what I would suggest for this, Jessica, is like do something to show people that the narrative is wrong. And so what I do as like a trainer is I'll do like I post stuff on my Instagram all the time, but then I'll post some like wild crap where I'm doing like these flying push-ups or something. And they're like, what? She's 51 and she's doing that. And I'm like two, right? I am. And I'm going to keep doing it as long as I can because I'm tired of people saying that we're fragile and we're weak and we're not. And so like, I'm not like saying go and do a flying push-up, but I'm saying like, do something that makes you something you've never done before. Like, if you're a walker, how about you go and do this crazy hike somewhere that like you've always wanted to do or maybe water ski if you've never, you know, think of something you've always wanted to do and then tie that in to the message that, see, I'm not done yet. I'm like 54 or whatever, Colleen, and I'm still going to do new things. And then, and also the doing new things is also so beneficial for you because this needs it. The brain needs us to continually stimulate it and to learn new skills, new crafts. And so I think rather than having like the, another party, a bit cheesy, it's like that, like find something that you've always wanted to do and just saying, this is me showing you. Yeah. Not dead yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I, I like was that. thinking, yes. <laughs> yeah. Also all the money that you've saved on feminine products, you could like buy yourself a great gift and show them or give them a tiny little gift each <laughs> look what I've saved I've no, I used all the money yes keep it for yourself yeah my old tampons oh you know something else you could do if you've got a I had a big basket of them and I didn't want to give them away for ages I had like a diva cup that I kept and I donated them to periods um without um is it period poverty it's called here in Toronto like does people need them like do something like that and then tell tell everyone yeah I would if I could chime in thank you I love your advice yeah my I have two sons in middle school and the nurse just put out a request for um tampons and pads and I'm like I have a year's worth of them so I'll be donating them to the middle school and then Jessica tell everyone right Mm -hmm. Instagram post Exactly. That's a celebration. That's a celebration. There we go. (laughs) Thank you. We just figured it out. I love it. But you know what, Bridget? That's exactly it. 
It's a, it's a celebration. And the fact is, is that we, we don't celebrate ourselves enough at all. It's, we're really hard at doing it. It's quite good to celebrate. We're easy at celebrating other people, but I love the idea of Jessica saying, as a celebration for this happening, this is what I'm going to do. And I, I think that's awesome. And we, we talk sometimes on the podcast about how self-care is given a bad like rap. Like self-care is not selfish. It's okay as you get a little older to put yourself first and to say, I need that break or I need to go do this. We're just so trained as women that we must put ourselves last. All And we do when we have kids and when we're running around. But as we get to certain ages, we can put ourselves first without having that guilt associated with it. There is a phenomena called, the, I write about this in the book, um, called the uh, we to me phenomena. And, and as we go through um, perimenopause to menopause and our hormones change, it has an impact on other hormones and it also impacts um, the, um, the oxytocin. I always worry I'm going to say oxycontin, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> not the drug. Um, but you know when you, lo- when you hold someone and you love someone and you breastfeed and all of those like um, feel-good feelings you get from that, that promotes that hormone in our body and it starts to sort of wane a little bit as we go through menopause and it actually makes the idea of focusing continually on other people the we makes it easier to focus on the me and and I highly recommend it and in fact I sort of insist on it right and and here's the thing we don't do it because we feel bad or we feel guilty or we think that someone's going to judge us like what have you done today did you just sit around drinking tea well yeah I did all right and I wanted to you know like there's no we don't have to account for our actions right but I can guarantee you that people aren't judging you at all. I remember when I started doing it myself, I started like going outside, getting up a little bit early and sitting outside with a cup of coffee when I was in Houston and the weather was nice and just taking that time to myself. And I'd never put the breakfast out for anyone. And nobody said, why is mom neglecting us? I'm not feeding his breakfast anymore. They were like, oh yeah, mom sat outside and they just left me to it. And essentially there's nothing wrong with putting yourself first. And I call it self-preservation. And I think that, like you feel good, then everybody else benefits. Mm-hmm. It's true. And I've also now seen Debbie said golden milk is another herbal nighttime or afternoon warming drink, which is great. And also women's shelters. So if you do have those extra pads or tampons, women's shelters also would be a great place. I mean, there's so many things you can do. It's really, it's when I listen to you talk, it's about turning what you are perceived to be a negative into a positive. Like it's, yeah. it's, achieving something that, you know, women think, oh God, I'm going through menopause. It's the, it's the change, but it's really just reverse puberty. It, you're just going through that journey. And then you get to do so many more things where you don't have to worry about, oh, if I schedule this, am I going to have my period during this time? Or if I, and there's so many benefits to not having your period. And yeah. And, and, and it's just like you say, like the, like flipping that narrative and making this a positive experience and yes yeah, so yeah losing the periods is is actually really quite great you can wear your white trousers and not have to worry about those episodes but um it's just like um I think the conversation has changed by the way like I do think that it has it has evolved from being super negative to like people like you and me like saying hey it's not that bad but even when it is bad I'm telling you that the things you can do to help yourself and it will get better that's what I think is really important and so it's really I think why it looks comes across as being negative is because we have to share like the crappy stories right because we saw one of forewarn, because forewarned, forewarned is forearmed, right? We can go into it thinking, okay, this is part of perimenopause, so therefore I know what to do about it. But we can't just continually focus on the negative. We have to show the balance. And the balance is really there. The positives really do exist. So it's not to negate what people are going through, because I had a terrible time. I think you did too. Like it, like I literally lost six years of my life and it was the worst experience. And I don't see why women should have to go through that and this conversation that we're having and, and being completely open about everything is so important. Really agree. Jill, Jill had a question. She said, um, do you have suggestions of the neurological exercises that you spoke about? So um, you're going to have um, the blues on man on. <laughs> um, yes. And- the, just so people who joined after our guest this week on the podcast is Dan Butner, who's the author of The Blue Zones. 
There you go. <laughs> and he and a whole bunch of others like Dr. Lisa Moscone, they will talk about ways to improve your mind because we want to make sure the gray matter keeps staying stimulated, right? And it's been shown that when we do this, it helps improve our longevity. And so there, it can be a number of things, right? So it can be a new physical skill. It can be a new um, craft skill. It can be doing the Sudoku. It can be doing um, word searches or the crossword. Like, so it can be whatever it takes to make you have to think and it's almost it's almost like you just choose something that makes you be constant like really um constantly present like so I'll give you a couple of examples so um like I've I knit as a kid I post this on my Instagram I knit as a kid and I dropped off and I and through the pandemic I was like I'm going to start again and it was like geez I can't even remember how to do this to like doing this gorgeous like Norway sweater a few months ago right so because and looking at the patterns and not being overwhelmed and like just trusting the process and continually doing it and doing it and doing it my husband does like brain games like there's actually apps that are just brain um puzzles and whatever sort of like ever you pick has to be something you want to do over and over again like, don't pick something that you hate because then you're like, I got to learn a new language and I hate, like, that's, but that's another one, learn a new language if you want. I tried, hated it, so I did something I liked. And I might just try and do something every day, but we know that that really helps with overall brain health and possibly Alzheimer's, but I'm saying possibly because we don't know. Like, it's just, we just know that doing stuff that stimulates the brain isn't going to hurt that. <laughs> Right. And Dan Buettner does mention, you know, community. It's important to be around people and to volunteer and do things new and different. So you're right. All of those kind of work together. Like you don't have to sit there and do a word search every single day. You can do different things. Even to, um, I think Dr. Daniel Levitin, who mm -hmm. did, wrote a book on success, successful aging, said just walking on uneven surfaces and talking to someone. You're doing mm -hmm. multiple things at the same time and you're working your brain. So yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and if you can't do it on your own body up, because the, the community aspect is massive. It's literally what I built my business on, actually, because I felt so isolated going through everything I was going through. I was like, I know that this is going to be easier if I can talk about it. And, and that's why platforms like this are so great. So it doesn't have to be a menopause conversation either. It can be a community of anything, you know, like, so another example is last year, my years are mixed up now. I, I taught myself to swim. For, for all I'm an athletic person, I've never, ever been able to swim. Like I wasn't going to drown, but I couldn't do the like the Michael Phelps up and down. And I taught <laughs> myself to swim. It took me 10 weeks and I just literally just studied it and studied it and studied it. Um, and then, and I feel like it, I feel so proud of it and such an accomplishment because it's something I've always wanted to do. And I'm like, I'm 50 years old and I've just taught myself to swim. I felt so, and now I've joined a community of lake swimmers in April when it's not so cold here. I'm going to be putting my wetsuit on and going out. And I'm really excited about it because one, it's a community and two, it's doing something new and a little bit scary. And that's the only th other thing I would add is if you want to do something physical, don't be afraid to be a little bit scared. Because women through menopause do stop believing in their like physical like abilities. And we need to remind ourselves that you do still have them. That's really important. Thank you for yeah. um poor Sheila. She wants to know will the hot flashes ever end. <laughs> I know. And so <laughs> sometimes yes. Sometimes, sometimes no. they they get mine have gotten better. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's like, who knows? So what I would say that is that some women never get them. Some women, that's all they have. They're only symptoms. Some women, it goes as soon as they're in menopause. Some women still have them in their seventies and eighties, but that's a definite small number. That's about 10%. I believed after start talking to Dr. Lauren Stryker, who wrote a book on just hot flashes, she has about 10% keep them into their like older years. Um, so if you're really struggling with hormone with hot flashes and they're literally ruining your life, go and see a doctor because we know that um, hormone therapy is indicated specifically for vasomotor symptoms. Vasomotor symptoms are hot flashes, cold flashes, night sweats, all of the temperature um, dysregulation. But here's something else that we know is in a study, um, there's two studies done building a strength training program into your world, either starting it preemptively in perimenopause or doing it post-menopause can reduce hot flashes by up to 70%. 
the body seems to like having muscle and it prefers it over the cardiovascular exercise. So the two exercises were compared and there was a significant reduction in the women who did strength training. And so to me, that's like a a no-brainer. That's easy to do. Like that's something we can all do in some form or another. And if it helps with your hot flashes, then consider that as another option. Well, um, I would highly recommend you guys follow Amanda on Instagram. Her Instagram posts are awesome and and very interesting. And you see, do see her do flying push-ups and all these crazy <laughs> things. But she also has a lot of really good information and resources. Um, so it would be Amanda Thebe, right? Amanda.Thebe or Amanda Thebe on Instagram? Uh, Amanda.Thebe on Instagram. And, you know, the, the when I wrote the book, I wanted to introduce strength training to all women. I wanted every woman to have an entry level to do it, whether that's body weight, whether they're an advanced athlete. I didn't care. I just wanted them to be able to do it. So there's a 12-week strength training program in the book. So if you've mm-hmm. ever been curious and you don't know how to start, there you go. Um, then I, I have it all detailed there and I can tell you how to make it less challenging if you're just starting and you want to be sure or if you want to pimp it up make it a little bit harder um but what i can't express how strength training is so transformative not just physically because it really is physically but this the whole like headspace like how it helps you feel more confident when you start lifting up heavy stuff all the time you feel so capable and you don't feel fragile and it's just the most amazing feeling and I just wish everyone could just have a taste of it like try it for six months and if you hate it afterwards fine but I bet you don't stop that's what I feel about strength training what else would you use as a complement to strength training for midlife or women in midlife and beyond cardio or toning or yoga Pilates? So what would you do in addition to strength as a complement to the strength? Training? Yeah, I know so how I like that is. If I was to give a recommendation for strength training, I would say three times a week, right? Ideally it could be two to three times. It could be three to four, right? In addition to that, um, if you like, so strength training went the way I teach it is functional, meaning it uses the whole body. I don't just do like bicep curls, like you're going to use every part of your body. And so um, what like Pilates does is it really focuses on core stability. And I love it for that. Um, but it doesn't always create enough enough of a stimulus to create like um, improved bone health and um, improved lean body mass, right? But I do really like it and I do really like yoga. So I think they're great to have in addition to strength training. But if I could literally say you do anything in addition to like lifting weights, it would be to walk every day. Walking is the most researched topic on the planet, I think, exercise, I should say. Um, And it's got so many health benefits um, especially when we're talking about just improved cognitive health and um, heart health, even our weight management can be linked to um, including walking every day. You don't have to do crazy stuff to feel good. And so if you can get out for an extra 30 minutes purposeful walking, like something that gets you a tiny little bit out of breath, not like just channel on with your coffee, like actually go for like a, a brisk walk, as my grandma would say, like that can be so beneficial to you. And I think that that's to me the perfect compliment. But personally, I do strength training and I'll swim or I'll walk or I'll go for a run. I mean, it, whatever floats your boat, like pick something you like. Okay. And our last question is from Margaret, who says she lives near Toronto and wants to know how she could access being a participant in a study on menopause. Do you know any? Oh, I don't know any studies on. And, and are you talking, Margaret, about the specifically some Moscone one on, or just a menopause study? I don't know of any menopause studies at all. And it's, you know, we don't. There's not enough studies in menopause. I know that. Um, the if I ever hear of any, I'll let you. I'll let you know. I tend to post things on like my social media. I don't know of any at all. But if you wanted to do the one for Dr. Lisa Moscone. She's based in New York and you have to make your own way there. You will be compensated for the, like the MRI scans and stuff, but you, you'd have to make your own way there. Oh, there, look, so Debbie's put something on yes. clinicaltrials.gov. Okay, thank oh, you, because I didn't know. Thank you, I didn't, Debbie. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't know the answer to that at all. So. Well, and I but, think it, it depends. You know, there are online 
telehealth programs like Genev and Electra Health that talk about menopause. And they have a lot of free resources on there. Some of their programs you have to pay for, but some of them are free as well. They might be able to refer you to a clinical trial. There are so many out there. And like you said, with Dr. Moscone, who, by the way, I'm going to email you about her after. Um, <laughs> there are, you know, maybe it's about, you know, your brain and another person maybe about your pelvic health. So you have to also figure out what it is you want to do. And just because I, I want to be very respectful of your time. We're almost out, up to the hour. Oh, I, gosh, I can talk. I know. Oh, you can me. No, that's good. And, and somebody wanted a link to your book, but sh- should they go to your website? Yeah, amandathebe.com. Yeah. Okay. The, yeah. I was going to say, or Amazon. or Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even I think on our website, we have a link to, a link to as well. It. Okay. Um, so as I mentioned, Amanda's going to be doing some cool stuff she can't tell us about, but we will make sure to have it on the podcast when she does. Um, make sure to subscribe, guys, to Hot Flashes and Cool Topics podcast. We talk about anything and everything. And if you have a question about this um, session or anything else, you can always email us at hotflasheskooltopics at gmail.com. Calm. So Amanda, any last thoughts? We thank you so much for this hour. Um, no, I really loved it. Thank you everyone for um, joining in. I would just literally say that there's so much potential right now in menopause and I never felt like that myself until I started becoming educated and I understood what was happening to me and I understood the things that I could take control of. And it's literally the reason I wrote the book. I wanted my best mate to just tell me what's going on. And so ladies, become educated, find out as much information as you can, and then start small, just start making small changes every day. And I'm, I guarantee you, you'll start feeling better. And maybe Jessica, you can use that extra money and just get the book, Menapocalypse, for each of your friends. <laughs> yes, as a yes, part yes of there you go. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody, for joining Thank us you. next month. We will have another episode session. So check out that on Hot Flashes on Cool Topics. We have a group page. And you'll see that we have a couple, every month we have an episode. So thank you guys. And thank you, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. Well, once again, we just want to thank Amanda for coming on and answering the questions that women want to know about on their health, their fitness, menopause, over 40. We have special questions that only people like Amanda can answer. So thank you so much, Amanda, for taking the time to do that. Make sure you are entering the giveaway, guys. We're on week four. There's only one more week to go and you could be the lucky winner of this week or next. So make sure to enter for the giveaway on hotflasheskooltopics.com. Have you subscribed to the podcast yet? You need to do that. I'm going to stop and wait a second. Go ahead. You're going to see that little red button. Just click subscribe. There you go. Thank you for that. We appreciate that. And we also really appreciate reviews. If you're joining, if you're enjoying the podcast reviews that are left on the Apple podcast platform, make the algorithms happy, which send us out to even more midlife women who need to know about all the stuff we talk about, all of our cool topics. With that in mind, Bridget, have an awesome weekend. You as well, Miss Colleen. This will be a fabulous weekend for us because we have all these tips for Miss Amanda Thieves. <laughs> exactly. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.